If you have your Bibles with you, we're starting a new sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And we should have a prize for the person who can find that book first. It's a teeny tiny book in the Old Testament. Um, I cheated. My Bible's already there. so I'll let, uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, you should see a blue one in the pew back in front of you. Go ahead and open that one up. We'd love for you to join us in God's Word and read that with us. Um, I should have looked and saw the page number in the blue Bible. What is it? 553. Good work. If you're in the Blue Bible, 553. Open that one up for us. So Ecclesiastes is in, in the Old Testament. So that is, uh, it's actually toward just about the very middle of the Bible. Okay, here it is in my book. I know yours is different, but right in the middle there. Um, book of Ecclesiastes. Okay. Ecclesiastes is a tough book. Ecclesiastes is a tough book. Um, The title of this sermon series is called Smoke. It's called Smoke. Um, In the 1700s, uh, magicians, anybody like magic? Anybody know how to do magic tricks? No one wants to do a magic trick for us today? Okay. All right. Uh, In the 1700s, magicians began to astonish and terrify audiences as they claimed to be able to conjure spirits and ghosts right in front of their eyes. This was quite a special thing for them to claim. It was quite a special event for people to see. But of course, we know that it wasn't magic at all. These showmen were really charlatans. These showmen figured out that they could build a box in front of the stage, cut a hole in it, place a mirror, and bring smoke up. And if they projected an image off the mirror and into the smoke... It looked like there were all kinds of demons and spirits and you could put anyone in that smoke. And people in the 1700s said, oh, ah, amazing. And so this contraption that bounces an image off of a mirror and into the smoke is where we get the phrase, anybody know? Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. What do we mean by that? Smoke and mirrors as in, it's not real. It's phony. It's baloney. It might look real, but it's really nothing of consequence. That's not a spirit. It's not a demon. It's not, it is just smoke and mirrors. And so now when we talk about these things, we, we, we talk about these charlatans are playing their mean tricks with smoke and mirrors and children and people who are ignorant of the box and the contraption and the unwise, they will believe in those images, but they're really nothing at all. They're smoke and mirrors. They are phony. They are fake. They are tricks. They are underhanded. They are hidden. They are lies. They are lies. And as we enter into the book of Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes, that I believe was King Solomon, is going to say this. Just like those charlatans in 1770, everything under the sun is smoke and mirrors. Everything under the sun is is smoke and mirrors. And to be wise, and to be wise, is to understand that. Now, 
before we jump into this, as you can imagine, very cheery book saying that everything about our lives is smoke and mirrors. Before we jump into that, we need to make sure we understand two important terms. Okay? There are two terms that are going to follow us all through the book of Ecclesiastes. And if we don't understand these, we're going to go all crazy and we're not going to get the message of Ecclesiastes. Two terms. The first one is the term hebel. Alright? This is an, a Hebrew word. H-E-B-E-L. Hebel. And it's one of those words that's difficult to translate from Hebrew into the English language. Okay? And so some of your translations may say Hebel is vanity. Many of our, my translation, ESV, if you're in the Pew Bible, if you're in the Blue Bible, you're going to see vanity. Some translations translate it this way meaningless. Everything in life is meaningless. I'm not convinced that's the best translation. Some of your translations might say, Vapor. Everything in life is vapor. However it's translated, this word is supposed to have us thinking about something that is fleeting. Something that is ephemeral. It, it has no mass or weight to it. It's something that is there. I see something there but it makes no permanent impact. Hebel is something that's there, I could see it, but something that makes no impression on reality. And the author of, of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, is going to say, everything in life is Hebel. Everything under the sun is Hebel. It is Good way to think about it. It is breath on a cold day. Get up early in the morning to go to work. Go scrape your car. And as you breathe out, what do you see? You see your breath. Is it there? Yeah, you can see it. Is it there long? No, it's fleeting. Does it make any impact? No, it makes no impact. And so the term that we're going to use together throughout this series is Hebel. We're going to use the term smoke. I like that. Smoke. Smoke is here for a moment. We can see it. But is it here for long? It's fleeting. It's fleeting. And the idea is this. Everything under the sun. That's going to be the next term. Everything in this life is like smoke. It billows up. I say, there it is. There it is. And as I approach it, I say, man, this, this, this is going to make my life worth living. This is going to satisfy me. This is finally, I found it. My whole life can be, can be poised and, and can be walking towards this thing. And as we approach the hebel, it's the smoke and we grab it. I'm going to grab it. It's going to make my life worth living. And as we grab the smoke, what happens? There's nothing there. It's gone. There's nothing to grab onto. Hebel. Smoke. Now, if we stopped there and we got into Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes would just be a hopeless book telling us that nothing in life is something that we can actually hold on to. Say, telling us that there's nothing in life that we could depend on. That'd be a pretty helpless thing, wouldn't it? 
Welcome to church, right? You got nothing to hope in. That'd be pretty hopeless. But the other term that is going to be connected and going to follow Hebel around is the term under the sun. Hebel is mentioned 38 times in this small book. 38 times. Smoke, vapor, Hebel. The term under the sun happens 29 times. It's a very important book, or very important phrase, and the book kind of turns on this phrase, under the sun. And this is what Solomon is meaning when he says under the sun. He's saying, let's examine life under the sun, and let's remove God from the equation. Let's examine life without God. In another way, let's examine life under the sun and let's not take into account anything that comes from beyond the sun. What is life like under the sun? Solomon is saying, let's consider the physical life as a closed system. That anything beyond the sun, supernatural, anything from God, let's, let's pretend like that doesn't exist and let's see what life can bring us. It's a closed system. It's like Bailey got an ant farm for Christmas. Okay? It's fascinating. All right? And we, you know, we, we, you have to put the ants in a, the refrigerator to make them all drowsy and slow, and then you can pour them in, and then you close it off and you watch them. Those ants are in a closed system. Unless we interact with them, they got nothing going on. They dig tunnels, and that's it. There's no outside interaction with the ants. We just watch them. They are in that system with their plastic windows. That's all they've got going on. And Solomon's going to say, let's see what life is like if we are like those ants in this closed system without any interaction from God. What does life look like? And what we're going to find in the Word of God in Ecclesiastes written by King Solomon, what we're going to find is everything under the sun is smoke and mirrors but Jesus came from beyond the sun to give us hope I believe that's the message of Ecclesiastes so let's read it together I hope you had your Wheaties okay uh, Ecclesiastes is, is a book we need our Wheaties for so with that understanding Let's read together. Ecclesiastes, we're going to start reading on big number one, and we're going to read to little number 11. It goes like this. The words of the preacher, the son of David, one of the reasons we think it probably Solomon, king in Jerusalem, another reason we think is probably Solomon. Verse 2, vanity of vanities. Yours might say, meaninglessness of meaninglessness or vapor of vapor, or merest of breaths, or as we might want to say here, smoke of all smokes, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. All is smoke. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? There's that phrase. What does man gain for his life under the sun? A generation goes, and a generation comes. But the earth remains the same. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and it hastens to the place where it rises. 
The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuit, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. Anybody weary after Christmas and New Year's parties? Yeah, I'm weary. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear is filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And here's another phrase you might be familiar with. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to come among those who come after. Welcome to church. Okay. So, the way Ecclesiastes is going to go is Ecclesiastes, Solomon is going to bring us way low, and then Jesus is going to bring us way high. Okay? So let's get on this roller coaster together, and let's take, let's take that first dip on this roller coaster. Let's see what this is talking about. Under the sun, we've got, we've got a, few, a few notes we want to take. Note number one on this going down on the roller coaster. Note number one, under the sun, everything is smoke. Everything is vanity. Everything is meaningless. Verse 2, he says it this way, vanity of vanities. Again, yours might say meaningless, meaningless. Yours might say breath of breaths, vapor of vapors. This is the Bible's way of saying it can't get any more meaningless. We see this often in the Bible. A word repeated in the plural, like this. You ready? Like this. King of kings. What does that mean? Jesus is the king of kings. You can't get any higher of Jesus. He, in fact, reigns over all other kings. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We are things like the most holy place. The holy of holies. You can't get any more holy than the holy of holies. So Solomon's going to say, Oh, smoke of smoke! Vanity of vanities! Life is nothing but smoke. It is the fakest of the fake. It is the merest of breath. Of all things that are, bre- that are breath in the cold, the, our, our lives under the sun are the merest of breaths. It's the greatest smoke and mirror trick ever. If we look at our life under the sun and pretend that God doesn't exist and pretend that He didn't send Jesus to give us hope, if we look at our life in this, life is just the greatest smoke and mirrors magic trick. It would be the fastest object we can imagine that will disappear in a moment. Everything is smoke. And here's the thing about Solomon. Solomon. If Solomon tells you everything in the world is smoke, 
He knows everything in the world is smoke. If there's any man who has a good perspective on what can satisfy a person, it is King Solomon. You remember King Solomon? The wisest man in the world. The wealthiest man in the world. The most powerful man in the world. That's King Solomon. And so, if he wanted it, he gets it. Are you with me? If money could satisfy, Solomon would be satisfied. But what does he say? Everything is smoke. Here's the thing about Solomon. If women could satisfy, Solomon would be satisfied. 700 wives. 300 concubines. What is relationship? What is sex? It's smoke. Does our culture need to hear that or what? Is our culture that puts so much emphasis on sex and sexuality thinking that that's our very nature? Do we need to hear this or what? No, sex is vapor. Sex is smoke. It's a good thing, but it's smoke. It's not something that we can base our whole life on. Marriage is a good thing, but will marriage satisfy you? Solomon says, no, we cannot be satisfied by marriage. Marriage is smoke. Does our culture need to hear that? Well, I got, what do I, what do we hear often? Well, I'm, I have my spouse, man, my spouse is just, it's not, my spouse isn't making me happy anymore. I got to find somebody who could satisfy me. What would Solomon say? You're nuts. Love your husband. Love your wife. Don't put, don't put on our spouses something that they cannot carry. Don't, don't say our, our spouses must be the only thing in the world that could satisfy us. Our spouses can't carry that. Just ask my wife. Being married to me is not going to satisfy her. Her whole life cannot be based on being married to me. No amen there? We're doing pretty good today. (laughs) The wisest, richest, most powerful man in the world. He could have anything that he wanted. If he wanted it, he could chase it down. He could buy it. He could steal it. He could conquer it. He could command it. He could enjoy it. And he found that there was nothing under the sun that truly brought him worthwhile joy, satisfaction, or meaning. If he can't do it, you can't do it. It's all smoke. Number two, everything under the sun. Under the sun, everything, it's not just smoke, it is fleeting smoke. It is the merest of breath. Verse three says, what does man gain by all the toil in which he toils under the sun? What does man profit for all his toil? Well, I got my paycheck. What do you mean? I, got my, I get a paycheck every month. Every two weeks I get a paycheck. That's why profit. How how does does your paycheck last? Do you put it up on your wall? Put it up on your mantle? What happens to it? It's gone. It's fleeting. Amen. What can a man achieve that will be with him forever under the sun? Nothing. 
Nothing. What remains? What will stay with me? Nothing. What is left over when they put me in the grave under the sun? Nothing. What will we have to show for our life really under the sun? Nothing. Children grow up and leave. Spouses may leave or die. We will get fired. Meals are eaten and done with. Homes deteriorate. Money flies away. Vacations don't last. Friends move away. And on and on and on and on and on. Everything under the sun is fleeting. I learned this lesson when I was about seven or eight. We went on a trip to Disney World for a week. Greatest week of my life. I was looking forward to it all year. You know that feeling? And then what happens when I get on the plane to come home? I was in crisis mode. This ends? What do I have to look forward to in life after Mickey Mouse is no longer here? Vacations come and go. Everything is fleeting. It's a tough lesson to learn for an eight-year-old. You can't take it with you. Reminds me of one of my favorite stories. Uh, there's a group of four men who are best friends from childhood. Uh, one of them passed away. And the three came to his funeral and they received, each received a note from them. One was a lawyer, one was a politician, one was a Baptist pastor. They received a note that said, I've given you each a briefcase and each of you has one-third of my fortune in that briefcase. And as they lower me into the ground, I want you to throw that briefcase in so I can take it with me. And they're all gathered around and at the graveside and sure enough, Paul, uh, the, the lawyer comes with the briefcase, throws it into the grave. Politician comes with the briefcase, throws it into the grave. Baptist preacher comes up, takes the briefcase, throws it into the grave. Government funerals finished. And afterward, as they are meeting together, the lawyer comes up and goes, guys, I've got a confession to make. I only put half the money in the briefcase and I kept the half. Politician says, whew, I'm so glad you admit I did the same thing. The Baptist preacher looks at him and scalls and says, I can't believe you. You should be ashamed of yourself. I wrote him a check for the whole amount. I love that. We don't have time for that joke. It's a funny joke. Can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. What profits a man under his toil on the earth? What can we take with us? Nothing. What can we have to show for our life really under the sun without God? Nothing. Good things or bad things, none of it has weight. It's all smoke. Number three, under the sun, we leave no mark on the world. Every generation believes they're the ultimate. They are the top of human achievement. We believe this generation will last forever. This generation will make a lasting mark on the universe. And Solomon says, generations come and generations go. And they leave no mark on the earth. Go ask that mountain if they remember your generation. They don't. Civilizations rise and civilizations fall, but that mountain is still there. And the irony is, we consider ourselves kings of the world, rulers of the world, and that mountain looks and that mountain laughs. Number four, under the sun, even nature feels like smoke. The sun rises and the sun sets, Solomon says, and it pants. That's the, that's the word there. It pants to get back to its starting position. <sighs> Even the sun 
is weary. The wind blows south and it blows north. And we might see it and think it's shaking everything. And wow, it's, there's a lot. But it's really just going in a cycle, in a circuit. All streams run to the sea. Probably the Dead Sea in Israel and the mighty Jordan River pouring into the Dead Sea. Solomon has seen it his whole life. He knows about the sea. He knows about this river. And the river comes and it pours into the sea and the sea doesn't get full. Even the, even the rivers feel, feel like smoke. If the sun and the wind and the waters produce no lasting accomplishment, if they are themselves smoke, what hope do we have under the sun to find meaning? He says, all things are so full of weariness, it is beyond words. It is beyond human comprehension to find true satisfaction under the sea or under the sun. It's all chasing smoke. He says the eye is never satisfied with seeing. It's like my little girls wanting to watch a Disney movie. Okay, well let you watch it. Sit down and watch them. What do they say as soon as it's finished? And they think it's the greatest thing in the world to be able to watch a movie. <gasps> my life is going to be satisfied. I promise, Daddy. I'm going to be a perfect little girl after this. I promise. They watch the Disney movie. What do they say next? Can we watch another one? Why? Because the eye is never satisfied. The ear is never satisfied with hearing. Human life is a never-ending quest for what is coming next. And it is exhausting. We always need the next meal. We always need the next drink. We always need the next sleep. We are always looking for affirmation from other people. Are you with me? Boy, you did a great job today. Doesn't that feel good? But what happens? You need that tomorrow too, don't you? We are always looking for the next thing to entertain us. Is that our culture or what? We need the next thing to entertain us. We're always looking for the next purchase. We're always looking for the next job, the next home, the next church. We need some, something else surely must satisfy us. And this chasing after smoke, we think we reach it as we grab the smoke. It just comes through our fingers and we realize it wasn't satisfying at all. But that next puff of smoke, that one must be the right one. And we chase it and we are exhausted. And he says, so exhausted it is beyond words. Number six, under the sun, there is nothing new coming that will bring us hope. Under the sun, God is out there. We're pretending that God doesn't exist. We're in our ant farm. There is nothing that is coming that will bring us hope. When we finally find something we think will satisfy us, it turns out to be smoke. You discovered this when I when I'm ready to buy something that for me that I think will bring me joy. When I'm thinking about buying, that's the best part. Right before I put my debit card down to buy it, after they scan it, what happens? Well, that was the most fun part. Now I have it. And we train our kids. Like this. We got 
The new thing, Christmas, new things, new presents. We got baby dolls for Christmas. We got baby dolls running out of our ears. We got baby dolls for Christmas that replaced the baby dolls we got last Christmas. But these are new, and so these are better. We got the Frozen 2 doll, which will satisfy life more than the Frozen 1 doll would. Are you with me? That iPhone you got for Christmas, the latest one that will surely make us satisfied, is already out of date. Humanity is in a never-ending cycle in which technology might advance but will never truly satisfy our needs. That's what he's saying. There's nothing new under the sun. The last few decades have been an incredible technological advancement where overall happiness has decreased and loneliness has increased and suicide rates have increased. Why? Is there nothing new under the sun that can bring us hope? The last thing and maybe most devastating thing, number seven, under the sun we won't be remembered. Is that hard? That's hard. I don't like thinking about that. Mal and I are still working on baby names for our boy. We were asking Mal's family at Christmas, what are some family names? And we got this one. Anaxagoras. Anybody know who that is? I'll give you $5 if you know who that is. Anybody know who that is? There's the, there it is right there, right? Famous person. Greek philosopher. Very influential. No one in this room knows anything about him. So that's who we're going to name our boy, by the way. <laughs> Don't you laugh? I'm offended that you would laugh at that. Though his name might be remembered, and we just found out it's not. Even someone who knows Anaxagoras only knows a few details about him. They don't know the man himself. What does he like to eat for breakfast? Was he a sportsman? What was his favorite chair at his house? What made him laugh? What was his favorite thing to, to read? What was his favorite song to sing? What was he afraid of? Those are the details that make a person a person. There's a person, that's, those are the details that help us know people. That man is not known. What hope do I have? Will my grandchildren know me? I hope so. Will my great-grandchildren know me? I don't know. Unlikely. That is the nature of human existence under the sun. So we're about right here. So, because everything under the sun is smoke, how should we feel? <clears throat> to peek into a world without God is to peek into the abyss of absolute hopelessness. Are you with me? 
I'm going to give us two examples of this. Two of the leading atheists in the history of the world are going to talk about this. Atheists don't, don't believe anything beyond the sun. Don't believe in God. The only thing that exists is under the sun. And here's some of the things that they say. In a universe of just electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to be hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason for it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Richard Dawkins. That is how we should feel under the sun. Pitiless indifference. If there's nothing beyond the sun, there's no true good or evil. There's just what we decide. There's no justice. There's just revenge. Friedrich Nietzsche, atheist philosopher, coined the phrase, God is dead. You've probably encountered that somewhere along the line. It is an atheist rallying call nowadays, but people don't understand what he was really saying. Nietzsche, an atheist, said God is dead as a warning because he understood if there is nothing under the sun and we live like there's nothing under the sun, all we have is hopelessness. Right or wrong, good or evil, meaning, purpose, or intrinsic value to things like human life is not existent if it is only under the sun. And he warned that this very well could lead our civilization towards catastrophe. Because living as if there's nothing under the sun will only bring catastrophe. Ultimately, he was afraid that believing there is nothing beyond the sun will lead us to his term, a will to nothingness. A will to smoke. A will to vanity. A will to meaninglessness. In other words, he was afraid not believing in God will lead to the hopeless understanding that everything is nothingness. Everything is smoke and mirrors. In a world without God, hope is smoke. Love is smoke. Purpose is smoke. Everything is smoke. We're down at the bottom. There is nothing under the sun in which we can have hope. So Jesus came from beyond the sun. Jesus is our hope. He is our only hope. He gives things weight. He gives things mass. He is someone we can chase and He is someone we can catch. He makes beautiful things out of smoke. He gives rest to the weary. He gives hope to the hopeless. He takes us through this life of smoke and shows it for what it really is. And He gives us something to look forward to beyond the sun. Under the sun, we leave no lasting mark on the world, but Jesus came to give generations eternal life and significance beyond the sun. Jesus offers an eternity glorifying God and enjoying Him forever.
Jesus has come to generations that under the sun have no meaning and he gives us meaning and he gives us a purpose and that purpose is to enjoy God forever. How great is that? How great is that? Enjoying God. Are we still pursuing smoke or are we pursuing the glory of God and enjoying him forever? Psalm 16.11 talks about our purpose in enjoying God. Psalm 16.11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. True joy, true pleasure is only found in the presence of Jesus and he sees us in our hopelessness and he came from beyond the sun so that you can have pleasure and you can have joy. And the only lasting joy is found in his presence and he has come for you. He has come for you. Giving us a purpose to enjoy God forever. Giving us a purpose, giving generations a purpose to glorify God forever to show the value of God on the earth is the only thing that will last. Your job, however good it is, will only impact one generation. But in pursuing the glory of God, you make an impact for eternity as a gift of God for you. A generation makes an impact for the glory of God in two ways. Number one, a generation makes an eternal impact, has meaning and weight to it when they preach the news that Jesus has come from beyond the sun to bring us hope of eternal life and meaning. That is how we make an eternal impact. That is it. When the church preaches the good news, people are saved and lives begin an eternal life with God. That is an eternal impact. And the second way a generation makes an eternal impact is we live a life in pursuit of Jesus, not in pursuit of smoke. When we pursue Jesus and not smoke, it shows the world that what they are pursuing isn't real. And Jesus is real. When martyrs die for Jesus, they are showing the world that this physical life is smoke, that wealth is smoke, that family is smoke, but Jesus is real. And I will lay down everything, every smoke, every piece of smoke in this world for Jesus because He is real. Greed is the pursuit of smoke. Sexual sin is the pursuit of smoke. Pride is the pursuit of smoke. Racism and hate is the pursuit of smoke. Pursuit of Jesus is the only thing that is real. And when we pursue Jesus, we can start enjoying the things that God has given us. Even though they are fleeting, even though they are smoke, we can start enjoying them for what they really are. That's why in our marriages, you want to enjoy your marriage. Pursue Jesus. And as you pursue Jesus, you'll start to love your spouse like Jesus loves you. And you'll start to enjoy. Even though your marriage is fleeting, it's not going to last forever. You can start enjoying that. 
generation pursuing and enjoying Jesus not only makes a mark on this world, but makes a mark that will last for eternity. Jesus came from beyond the sun to give this generation purpose. Give this generation meaning. What a gift. Is that not a gift? That your life can make an eternal impact. Isn't that a beautiful thing? What an awesome, what an awesome gift He has given us. Under the sun, nature pants and groans. Jesus even frees nature from smoke. Jesus will set nature free from the effects of sin. And nature itself will be redeemed and will be free. Romans 8 says it this way, the creation waits in eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected, you ready? To futility. To smoke. To vanity. Creation was subjected to smoke, not by its own will, but because the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Your dog can't wait for Jesus to come back. And if we don't sing His praises, who will? The rocks will cry out. They can't wait. Under the sun, all things bring unspeakable weariness. But in Jesus, we have rest. Under the sun, we are, he says, we are so weary in this chasing the smoke that is beyond words. He said, I can't even tell you how weary this is to pursue smoke. But Jesus has come from beyond the sun to bring us rest. One of the huge offshoots about Jesus being your Savior and your Lord is Jesus' mission is also to bring you the rest of God. Does our generation need to hear this or what? The fifth commandment. The fifth commandment, right? Yeah, the fifth commandment. Rest. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, if you have the time. It's not if you've worked enough and your bank account is full enough. No, what is it? Rest. My people, God says, rest. Don't chase smoke. Don't chase smoke. Take a day off from chasing smoke. Jesus says it this way, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Don't chase the smoke. Jesus says, stop chasing smoke. Chase me. I'll give you rest. When we start to realize that everything we are chasing is smoke and we begin to chase Jesus, how free do we feel? You could be free to not be so concerned about your job. I'm chasing Jesus. My job is a good thing. My job is a necessary thing, but I'm chasing Jesus and he promises to take care of me. I could be free of that anxiety about going to work tomorrow. What a gift. What we cannot rest from is our master. 
What can you not put down? Work? Entertainment? Sleep? All that is smoke. And finally, under the sun, nothing is new. There's no cavalry coming over the horizon to save the day. There's nothing new under the sun. But Jesus came beyond the sun and Jesus is making all things new. God the Father. I mean, think, Solomon couldn't think about this. Solomon couldn't even envision what's coming over the horizon. He said nothing. He said we need to obey God and love God, and that's how we navigate this smoke-filled world. But even he could not see the incredible newness that comes with Jesus. He could not see the unbelievable glory of the good news of Jesus. That God the Father sees our weariness, sees our sinfulness, sees that we are pursuing smoke that will lead us to hell, and in His love and His mercy for us he sent Jesus the son to be God in flesh to live under the sun so that if we have faith in him we will go beyond the sun when we are in God the son and that good news that Jesus makes all things new starts with you and starts with me He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 And all this stuff, the wind chasing their tail, the sun panting to get back in place, everybody is weary chasing smoke. There is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, I'll leave you with this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice, a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Under the sun is smoke, but Jesus has come to make all things new. Jesus has come to bring you hope. Jesus has come to bring you an eternal life. Jesus has come to give you the opportunity to make an eternal impact. What a blessing that is.